0: All right, good morning and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right, let's enjoy saying that because this is it. This is the last week. We can't be saying Merry Christmas after Christmas Day. Even if we still feel the spirit of Christmas and the joy, it's awkward, so say it out loud. And I love... Saying the word Merry Christmas because of what it entails. Not only does it entail, hey, I hope you're having a fun, warm, fuzzy time with your family and, and enjoying all the lights and hot cocoa, but it, it means we are welcoming the coming of our Savior. In this season of Advent, it means we're expecting Him to be among us, becoming human, as Ben was saying earlier, in the form of a baby through humble circumstances. It's the mystery of God that he became flesh and became sin. He who knew, no sin, became sin for us so that we can have salvation and everlasting life. That's good news. I hope you spread that every single time that you say Merry Christmas. And we have been in our Christmas series that's been a little bit different. So we are looking at a family tree, Jesus's family tree, it's the royal family that we have seen is very imperfect, like me, and I hope like you and your family were imperfect. Yet God uses imperfect people for his perfect purpose. And I want to recap where we've been at because it's really cool, I think, to look at how every single one of these characters, we haven't looked at everyone, but we, we've we looked at four so far, and, and uh, we're gonna recap, see how they point to a characteristic of this baby of Jesus. So let's look at, yeah, that's all the names, but let's look at Matthew 1. So if you have your Bibles on your phone, you can turn there, or physical Bibles, turn there. Obviously, the uh, verses will be on our screen. This is how the Gospel of Matthew starts the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac, the father of Jacob. So the first character that we looked at this series was Jacob. We learned that Jacob was a deceiver. Now this Christmas season, when you're with family this week, don't be trying to identify the deceiver in your family. And if you can't find the deceiver, you may be the deceiver. So we looked at how Jacob, even though he was imperfect and deceived, God still reconciled his relationship with his brother Esau. And and we learned that God is our reconciler. He reconciled us, not only to one another, like he wants our relationships here on earth to be reconciled, but more so Jesus came to reconcile us with the Father. And he has given us that same ministry of reconciliation. So let's keep on uh, looking at Matthew and continuing through the Uh, genealogy. So we move down, and then we see Aminadab, the father of Nashahan, and Nashahan, the father of Salmon, not Salmon, and uh, Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. So we looked at Ruth the next week, and we saw this very unlikely person in the family uh, tree of Jesus, this Moabite woman. She wasn't Jewish, she was actually despised. The Moabites were despised by the Jews. And yet this woman, Ruth, showed incredible loyalty to her mother-in-law after her husband, Ruth's husband and Naomi's husband, both died. Ruth committed her life to Naomi. And then Boaz redeems Ruth and Naomi. And we learned that God redeems us. That's what we learned through Ruth story that God is our redeemer. Jesus came to redeem us of our sins. He came to forgive us. He came to pay the price for our sins and and to erase the record of wrongs between us and God. We saw that in Ruth's story. Now let's move on. Uh, We didn't go very far. uh, And then we talked about David last week, who was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Now that's important because that right there shows us that in the Bible, those imperfections are not hidden. The, uh, Matthew could have easily written, David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba, but instead, Matthew decides to remind us by the wife of Uriah. Who was Uriah? Well, that's what we looked at last week. David killed this man. Uriah after he slept with his wife Bathsheba so very imperfect circumstance or that we have in David and yet God uses this man we learned that he was the second most written about person in the Bible after Jesus to be a part of his perfect plan of redemption and so in his story we learned that God reigns we make mistakes we have imperfections Yet yeah, God is sovereign, and he chooses to use those imperfect circumstances and us imperfect people for his perfect purposes. And I know you're dying to know who are we going to talk about well, let's keep on reading and then I'll uh, surprise you. How about that? So uh, Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amos, and Amos, the father of Josiah, Josiah, the father of Jeconahai, and his brothers at the time of the deportation of the Babylon. Okay, so just so you know where we are in history, biblical redemptive history, we went from Jacob, who was, in, uh, 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 was uh, Abraham's Um, grandson. So this is the very beginning of the Bible. We're talking about Genesis, uh, starts with 12. And then the people of God uh, come into the promised land and a kingdom under David is um, established. And then we have this time of deportation to Babylon. It's called the exile period. These are bad, hard, tough years in the episode in the history of the people of of Israel. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Sheltiel. And Sheltiel, the father of the guy who you've probably never heard of and who we're going to talk about today, Zerubbabel. Can you say that with me, just because it's fun? Zerubbabel. We're going to talk about Zerubbabel and how God used Zerubbabel for his perfect purposes. Now, Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud, and Abiud, the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim, the father of Azor, and Azor, the father of Zadok, and Zadok, the father of Akim, and Akim, the father of Eliud, and Eliud, the father of Eleazar. And let's just go ahead and finish the genealogy so we can be done and then go back to talk about Zerubbabel. And Eleazar, the father of Mathon, and Mathon, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born. He was called Christ. So there you go. That's Jesus' family tree. On Thursday sneak preview, we're gonna talk about Joseph, Jesus' adoptive dad. But today we got Zerubbabel. Aren't you excited you came to church on Christmas week to talk about Zerubbabel? We're going from talking about David, the guy who, uh, you know, second most written about person in the Bible to this guy Zerubbabel. I think you're gonna like him by the end. Before we talk about Zerubbabel though, let's talk about this other guy you probably never heard of named Zedekiah. And I want to contrast him to Zerubbabel. Zedekiah lived in the time of the prophet Jeremiah, and that's where we get the the timeline, the, the verse that we've coded this series with. It's Jeremiah 23, and it says this, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous savior. These words meant so much because their circumstances were so tough. They were in exile. These people were kicked out of their homeland into a foreign place, different language, different culture, and and really they were they were seen as as these uh, immigrants, or they weren't really they were immigrants. I mean, they, they were they were punished by the Babylonians, and. I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but I wonder if there's been a season in your life where you have felt alone. You have felt far away from home. For me, it was my third year of university. I studied international relations, and so my third year was my year of exchange. I spent it in the Netherlands. Um, There were two English programs from many different schools abroad, the Texas State uh, University in San Marcos, uh, Eat'em Up Cats, um, uh, sent students to, and one was in Belgium and one was in the Netherlands. Those were the only two English speaking programs. So I went to the Netherlands and I remember getting off the train in the Hague, which is where, where I was living. And, and there was a sign that said international students. And I said, that's me. I, I couldn't wait. I got the keys to my flat. That's what they call rooms in, in Europe. And so I got in my flat, and I was all so excited. It was just me in my room. I was like, man, I'm gonna live here for the next year. And I know a lot of people would n- maybe feel fear. I was excited. So excited that I did uh, the next thing when you move to a new place. You walk around the neighborhood. You check out the grocery store. Well, they got Albert Heijn in the Netherlands. Well, it's just awesome. I mean, you got one of everything. One toothbrush, one, one. Uh, I mean, one brand of toothbrush, one brand of toothpaste, one brand of, you know, cereal. Like, just easy, simple. like, this is great. And then I went around to this neighborhood that was right next to where my flat was. That's when I felt like an exile. See, in the Netherlands, there were pockets. There still are. There's pockets. There's these neighborhoods where uh, there, there's this, these groups of immigrants, really exiles, people from other countries. Most of these countries uh, were Islamic. They were Muslim neighborhoods. And it was about nighttime. And again, I'm thinking I'm in Western Europe. I can't wait to, you know, ride my bike, eat some French fries, play some soccer, all the European things. And and I find myself in a very foreign place. Stared at, I uh, was made to feel very unwelcome. And I thought, man, this is right next to where I live. I mean, this is where, you're gonna, where I'm going to be for the next year. And I remember in that time feeling that fear. Feeling that, that, that uh, uh, this, this culture shock and, and also this, uh, I missed home, I missed the safety and security of what home felt like. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe this year, as you look back at 2021, maybe that defines your year more than a year of hope, joy, peace, and love. Maybe you find yourself in a foreign place because of unforeseen circumstances, things that that you didn't plan, you, you didn't cause. You're just in those places, and you've left with grief, you've dealt with grief and loss and hardship in this year. Maybe some of these circumstances are due to your own consequences and life decision, and you still feel that way. Well, here's the good news, and this is what Zerubbabel teaches us: that God restores us. God is on mission to restore what is broken and to fix us so that we can live in peace no matter what our circumstance looks like. And so that's what we're gonna look at, look at as we look at Zerubbabel. God restores us. So Zedekiah, this guy that we're gonna look at first before we look at Zerubbabel is important because he lived about 70 years before Uh, Zerubbabel. So we're looking at like 580 BC. So 580 years before Christmas Day. And Zedekiah is the king in Jerusalem when the people of God have moved on to Babylon. So they were deported, they were exiled, they're in Babylon, but Zedekiah stays in Jerusalem with the remnant, just a few Israelites. And he's got a couple of people in his corner as prophets. These are people speaking for God for God's people, and uh, Zedekiah has Jeremiah, who's obviously speaking the words of God, but he's got a couple of false prophets. People speaking to him what he wants to hear and not what God is actually hearing. You know what those people were saying? They're saying, hey, you're in this hard circumstance, Zedekiah, and what you need to do is you need to take matters into your own hands. You need to take life by the horns and and you need to fight. You need to fight those Babylonians. You need to stand your ground. This is God's land. You are God's people. You need to fight. Don't settle. Fight. Jeremiah, he's called the weeping prophet for a reason. I mean, he was right, yet everybody thought that he was wrong because his prophecies were really, really harsh. And Jeremiah in chapter 29, there's this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, that I think some of us know. Anybody know how it starts? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. There are plans for good, plans to prosper us, not to harm us, to prosper. We, we know that verse, and it's probably something we've often heard. God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life, and that's great but I love that the Bible doesn't uh, 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 shy away from talking about the hard stuff. And so this is the context. Zedekiah is listening to these false prophets that are saying, hey, stand your ground, do this and do that. And then we get Jeremiah 29. This is the context of this amazing verse that we have heard many, many times This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiakim and the queen mother, the court officials, and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Eliash, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. It's set. Okay, so this is the context. This is where we're at. People gone now. Uh, Zedekiah is kind of ruling. A little bit of both. Some people here in Jerusalem, also the people in Babylon, dealing with these uh, messages of, "Hey, fight, stand your ground. You're only going to be in exile for a little bit. Especially if if you change your, if you try hard to change your circumstances, you can do it." Jeremiah says this. God says this through Jeremiah in verse four. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease. So before we move on any further, what, what, What's the contrast here? Zedekiah saying, hey, I wanna, I wanna change things. I wanna fight. And, and, and Jeremiah's like, hey, hey, tr- trust me, I got you. Build your build build your home. Build up your family. Just work. And 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 let's continue reading. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Seek the welfare of your city. Lay down some roots. And I love this. And it may be simple for you, but this is a key for us. As God is on a mission to restore all things, we have a part to play. And Jeremiah is giving us those keys. The first thing is to build up our homes and our community. We're gonna continue reading, but I wanna move on to the point, if if we can, real quick on on the slide. I believe it's the next slide. Sorry, one, one more, and one more, last one. There we go, build up your home and our community. This, this is teaching us how to do that. And, and you may be saying, well, uh, Jose, I'm a single guy. I'm a single woman. Uh, what does it mean to, to you know marry and all that stuff? Well, that's the important thing is that we read big context what God wants us to do. God wants us to live life his way, not our way. And there's a lot of false prophets in this world that are telling us how to live our lives that are different to how God is teaching us to live our lives. Peter and uh, Paul and Jesus are the best examples of how to be single and honor God with all that we are and and, and have great jobs. And, And for those of you that are dating, especially in college, man, pursue marriage, pursue Uh, longevity and pursue commitment, something that our culture is not valuing. If you're married, pursue having kids. Why? Because your kids are going to outlast you. And and it's a wonderful thing to have this promise and, and, and to invest in the coming generation. So Jeremiah is being very practical. And I think simple here. Settle down build houses. But he doesn't only say that for us. He keeps on saying, uh, prosper your city, change your community, and also pray to the Lord for it. So I'm going to go back to verse 7 of Jeremiah 29. Uh, Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and the uh, diviners among you deceive you. So these are these voices, these external voices from the outside. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They're prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. So these people were saying, hey, I, we want change now. We wanna change our circumstances like today. What do I need to do to change this really hard circumstance? And what does God say? Wait 70 years. (laughs) So he's very specific in his plan. And then we have the famous verse in verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I hope that that speaks to someone in this room today that these circumstances that we may be living through are tough, but God is restoring us. He's got plans for us. He doesn't wanna harm us. He wants to make us prosper. He loves us. Verse 12, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity excuse me, I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Build up your home and your community. As we go to our family members or as our family members come to us, I wonder what that means for us to build up our home, build up our family members, speak words of life over one another. In in your family, you may not be going through a hard circumstance, but you your family member may be going through a hard circumstance. What does it look like to talk to them about what Jeremiah 29, 11 is saying here? Hey, God's got plans for you. This may be tough, but just stick with it. Focus on the simple things. Continue on in your jobs. I think about the Great Recession, and I think there's something to it, but also we're called as the people have got to work in our communities and, and prosper our community through our work. This is, this is ancient stuff that is still really relevant to us today, and again, you may be thinking, well, that is Old Testament, Jose. I don't think that God tells us that we're exiles. Well, he does in 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans. These are unbelieving friends and neighbors that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So Peter is instructing us we're not from here. And so we should live a little different than what the culture dictates. Let's live life God's way and build up our homes and our communities. I love the vision of this church. From the beginning, 1993, this church has had the vision to build a community, to change a city, and to reach a country. We build a community as we build Jesus and make him known in our families, and then in our community groups, and then here as as a church, And, and as we grow, then we're able to impact our city for good and change it and see it transformed, and I think about what Taylor was talking about before, the, the feeding of these families. Did you know over 80 families have been impacted this year as we started partnering with Hayes County Food Bank to distributing food once a month? That's amazing, and that's only a little bit of what we've done. We have, um, oh my goodness, the, the distributing the blankets, what's that called in St. Marcus that we did? Someone yell it out loud. Giving Hope in San Marcos. We have the Barnabas store here in Wimberley, Christmas store, the Barnabas Connection. We've partnered with them. I mean, let's grow that in Kyle and in Driftwood and in Martindale and in in the surrounding areas to change our cities and do what uh, Jeremiah is talking about here. After all, we may be trying to change our circumstance, but ultimately God is restoring us as he changes us. That's what Romans 12 teaches us. We know the, this verse. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your but- bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for me. And it's perfect. It may not be the plan that we may have thought of, or maybe the plan that we don't believe right now is best for us. But the truth is, is that God restores us and he has promised us to give us a future and a hope. And so let's hold on to the simple things and do that well. And we're not even to Zerubbabel. Before we get to Zerubbabel, I wanna, before we go 70 years forward, I wanna go a thousand years back. Because in the desert, Moses prophesies about this time of the exile. And he touches on this very thing that Jeremiah is touching on in Deuteronomy chapter 30. So Moses is in the desert right before the people of God take the promised land. He says this to encourage them even if you have been banished to the most distant land under the heaven, so they were banished, uh, from there, the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. He will bring you to the land that belonged to your ancestors and you will take possession of it. And he will make you more prosperous, there it is again, and numerous than your ancestors. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. Now, you may be good with all of it except for that circumcision part. What's that all about? Well, that's God removing our sin. It's God changing us from the inside out and making us more like him as we devote our life to him, which is the second point that now Zerubbabel makes in the book of Haggai. So Zerubbabel is in the book of Zechariah, in the book of Haggai, and in the book of Ezra. And he is the appointed governor. Zedekiah was the king in Israel. Uh, in Jerusalem, uh, uh, Zerubbabel is the governor in Babylon of the Jews that are now gonna venture back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. So this is this is happening. What, what Jeremiah prophesied is happening seven years later. They're coming back to Jerusalem. Zerubbabel is leading the charge. And in Haggai 1, uh, uh God is, through Haggai, telling his people, hey, you guys are building your homes now that you're back. You need to build my house. You need to prioritize me and worshiping me. And in Haggai 1, 12 through 15, we see Zerubbabel's response. Verse 12, then Zerubbabel, son of Shelteel, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shelteel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Jeshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. All right, so we got Jeremiah telling them, hey, build up your home and uh, build up your community. And now they're back and God's saying, hey, build up, my home, make me a priority. And that's what uh, Zerubbabel does. He makes God his priority and he lives in the presence of God. So let's make God our priority. He is with us. That's what we're celebrating this Christmas season. Emmanuel, God became human. He is with us. When we obey God, we don't earn His presence. His presence is already there. When we obey God, obedience opens up our eyes to his presence. It reveals to us that he's been there all along. It's just been us that's been focused on other things. Obedience to God allows us to experience relationship with God in its full uh, uh, richness and goodness. Zerubbabel made God his priority. Matthew 6, Jesus is now teaching us to make God uh, our priority and he tells us what happens in return. Seek the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Look, we got these New Year's resolutions coming up. Some of us already have it down. Some of us, it's the same one last year because we didn't do so good in 2021, so we're just gonna repeat. For others of us, we don't make no New Year's resolution, okay? Because you either know that you're going to fail or you just don't want to fail. Here's the thing. Can we just make this our New Year's resolution 2022 and we can start a little early? Let's make God our priority. It looks different for every one of us. We all have a, a, a different journey with Jesus. But my encouragement this morning as we make him our priority is that, yes, he is with us. He's going to provide for everything that, that we need, but, but it, it, we, need to, we need to take the next step. So what's that next step for you? Maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's surrendering your life once and for all to Jesus and saying, I've been learning a lot about him. I've even coming to church or community group, checking things out. But you know, it's between you and God, this isn't. No one's judging on the outside. It's just between you and God, and you know that you have yet to fully surrender to Him as your Savior and as your Lord. Maybe that's what it means to make Him a priority, or maybe this is the year that you ask for help. You have a, an issue, and and you're ready to deal with it. You have a place of addiction that's been hidden, or or something that you're ready to move on from. You can take that next step and allow God's people and God's presence to help you as you heal. We got Celebrate Recovery. Let's continue to meet. We don't talk much about Celebrate Recovery. I'm talking about that now. Monday nights at what time, Bob? 6.30, somebody tell me. 6.30 on Monday nights back there in the den. Come to Celebrate Recovery and experience freedom from your hurts, habits, and hangups. The people of God obeyed God They rebuilt the temple and you would think at this point and they lived happily ever after because they've returned from exile. But you know, you should know the people of God, which means us, too well. We got imperfections, we got issues. And what do people do? They compare and they grumble. And that's Haggai 2. That's how I'm gonna close. In Haggai chapter two, uh, nine verses says this, in the seventh month on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shelteel, governor of Jude and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest and to all the remnant of the people and say, who is left among you? Who saw this house in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Is it as nothing in your eyes? So what God is saying is uh, he's speaking to this grumbling. It either happened out loud or in people's minds. We don't know, but God knows. And so he's calling it out. What happened is that the temple was rebuilt and the older generation that had been there and seen the temple in its glory didn't, it didn't measure up. It wasn't like it used to be. And so they mourned. And, 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 and they, they wept for what was and now no longer is. And for us, what that is, is maybe you're in a season where you wish that life was as it used to be and, and you're now living totally separate than that this is what they were feeling. This was the emotion that was coming out. And what does he encourage us with? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. This is talking about the covenant. Thousand years before, my spirit remains in your midst declares the Lord of hosts. Worship team, you can come back up. I'm wrapping up with this. God is sharing with us that he's gonna restore us. He's gonna restore us. He's gonna make a way for restoration in our lives. Our posture is to build up our homes, our community, to make God our priority, recognize his presence and be strong. Be strong, O people of God, for he is with you. Follow Jesus, continue to follow after him. Verse six says, for thus does the Lord of hosts yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. You know what he's talking about there? He's talking about Christmas day when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords became a baby born in a manger. He was about to shake things up for the Israelites and for every nation and today, for every nation, for every people, for every person, every people group, no matter where we may stand with him. He came to shake things up so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. Do you remember the wise men? What did they bring? Treasure. From where? All over the world. And then at the end, the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former. That's where I wanna close. I don't know where you are today. You may be crippled by the circumstance that you are living in. But when we follow Jesus, we have hope that tomorrow will be better than today. Because it's not up to us, my friends. He alone restores us. So in posture of gratitude, let's just give it to him, whatever it is and a tomb as we close in worship. You and your time with the Lord, you can sit down, you can stand up. The altar is open here. We got prayer happening in the gap. That's that room back over there. You can pray with a family member or a friend. Let's go to God and ask for his restoration in our life for that's what we're celebrating. We celebrate the coming of Jesus on Christmas. Let's pray.